Welcome to the Irishman, Englishman and Scotsman football podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Irishman, Englishman and Scotsman football podcast. Uh, joining me as always, the dynamic trio of Finno, Joe and Kev. Uh, massive weekend and week of football ahead cracking straight in Wednesday night Turf Moor huge game Burnley against Fulham Burnley big win at Palace Fulham of course massive win at Everton this game you know has got so much writing on it regarding the the, the bottom half of the table Finno yeah definitely I think it's potentially getting Fulham you know towards safety you know Fulham get a result they bring that down to five points with a game in hand um, it's a massive psychological boost and whilst this season's taught us that you can't really take anything, you know, for granted, Burnley win here probably gives them, you know, the space to breathe. You know, really, Fulham are kind of the draw specialist as well, but they've, they've found a, a gem of a striker, Joe. Yeah, so they found, obviously, Josh Madger, who was at Sunderland. Uh, I think he went abroad in his comeback. He banged in a couple of goals. I think if he can go on to score, you know, 10 to 12 goals between now and the end of the season, then they've got themselves... A real chance, but he won't be the best striker on the pitch. That's definitely Jay Rodriguez at Burnley. When he was at Southampton, he was my favourite player. Um, I know he scored one and assisted one at the weekend. He's a fantastic player, um, so I think he'll he'll score again, and I think Burnley will have too much for Fulham. www.jrodriguezfanclub at joe.co.uk, folks. Put it in the comment section. Jay Rodriguez, uh, according to Joe, will be the player of the year next year. Ballon d'Or, the lot. Quarter past nine at Goodison Park. Everton against Manchester City. Everton in a little bit of turmoil. Um, they were really second best all over the park against uh, Fulham, I thought. And, you know, really, Man City are a machine. And, and this is only going to go one way. Uh, I think I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if Angelotti has one eye on the derby at the weekend. Kev? Yeah, I think he may as well have, right? Because like 10 wins on the spin uh, for Man City, it's really hard to see, you know, how that might be stopped. Although, just having said that, you know, we do tend to expect Everton to play at their best against the top teams, don't we? So I suppose normally I'm the one who says this is going to be this is going to be the one where Man City's run comes to an end, just because you suspect it's going to have to be. But I think even me, I don't really think we're going to get any money on this one. Yeah, uh, Friday night game, nine o'clock Central European time at uh, Molyneux Wolves against Leeds. Wolves with that big win uh, over Southampton, Joe. Leeds, of course, beaten by Arsenal quite convincingly, although they still managed to score a couple of goals. Uh, were Wolves value for money or were Southampton robbed again? I mean, it was one of those cliche games where it was definitely a game of two halves. Um, Southampton were just on another level in the first half. It's the best I've seen us play for so long. We went in one up, scored a fantastic goal to Danny Ings, but then Wolves came out second half, got a very dubious penalty. Uh, and then the Southampton, the, the confidence just completely dropped. And Wolves, to be fair, they scored a, a, a brilliant second goal. But they weren't that good. I still don't think they're anywhere near as good as they have been for, for, for the last few seasons. Um, and I think if Leeds can really go at them, as we know Leeds can, then they can cause Wolves all kinds of problems. And I think what Leeds would have to do is what Southampton didn't, is if they can go two or three goals up, which Southampton could have done, then uh, I think Leeds could just nick it. Yeah, I think this is definitely a game where we can just kind of let the players play a little bit. You know, it's 11th versus 12th, relatively safe teams, but not challenging for Europe. 
Can I just let them have at each other and pray kind of for goals? Yeah, uh, Saturday afternoon, half past one, Central European time, Southampton against Chelsea. Joe, Southampton are on a horrible run of form. They're bottom of the form table. Um, Chelsea are not, you know. Thomas Tuchel's army continues to march on and this will be a tough one for the Saints, Joe. It will be. I think Southampton have kind of given up on the league now. We're focusing solely on the FA Cup. We're going to win the FA Cup and it'll be a wonderful season. Um, <laughs> no, you're definitely right. Southampton have lost six games in a row for the first time in their history, uh, which is shocking, really, when you consider how well we started the season. We were top in December, I think, um, and we're playing really well. I, I'm honestly a bit of lost to words to explain what's gone wrong. Um, we can't blame the injuries anymore. Vestergaard's back. Walker-Peters is back. Romeo's back. Adams and Ings are back. Um, so I can't see where the next win's going to come from. I don't think we're going to win against Chelsea. It's just our luck that Timo Werner seems to have hit a little bit of form. Uh, and then I know we've got Leeds again on the Tuesday. The following week's going to be another tough game. So that could be eight games without a win. Um, it's only going to take a couple more games before we start looking over our shoulder at that dreaded relegation zone. Yeah, Joe, I don't think you're quite at that stage where you have to be worried about relegation. I think you've got a lot of points. Um, I do blame you, personally, because you were so happy about being top of the league on a couple of very brief occasions. But no, but genuinely, Southampton, we're up to, like, you know, not just for 24 hours, we're up to thirds, pretty much, you know, like, legitimately, like, really not that long ago. But, I mean, Southampton are going to be fine. It's one of these things, isn't it? It's confidence. It's a fragile thing, as I think, was it Klopp who was talking about that earlier this, you know, a couple of weeks ago? Yes, it may get worse before it gets better, but this is a really good football team. Um, and I don't think, you know, relegation is ludicrous. I think, I think this is going to, like you say, could end up with a decent FA Cup run, could end up with you. I reckon 13th is the lowest you'll, you know, you'll be higher than that come the end of the season, I'm sure. I really hope you're right. And I think the one thing that's going for us and the reason why we can't stay positive is we have got goals in our team. Now we've got Minamino, who looks a, a really good signing. Danny Ings is back scoring. Uh, then we've got Adams, Armstrong, Redmond. So we've, I think we've got enough, enough goals in our team to win the probably three matches we need to, to stay up. Yeah, I think Saints are, are safe. Uh, Burnley against West Brom is the four o'clock game. Burnley, of course, will have played midweek. Also a massive game, this one, really. West Brom have any chance or any iota or any hope of staying up, albeit slim. Uh, they want to win this game, but uh, Burnley are in, they're in a good vein of form final. Yeah, definitely. They've been playing some nice stuff, and I think Burnley get tagged often with you know a bit of a prehistoric look out, outlook on football. And actually, they play some nice stuff and and have been playing some nice stuff for a while. You know, these two games against the bottom three in quick succession could see them up to twelfth. You think that that's probably keeping them you know relatively safe. And if Burnley do win, I think that that only hammers home, you know, that final nail in the, the West Brom coffin and, you know, potentially breaking Big Sam's uh, never-been-relegated record. Uh, Liverpool derby, half-past six at Anfield. Liverpool versus Everton, both teams in dire need of a win. Uh, Liverpool, well-beaten by Leicester in the end. Everton, well-beaten by Fulham at home. Uh, you know, for me... I listened to, like I said, James Madison's interview at the end of the game. He said they targeted Jordan Henderson at the back for Liverpool. Those balls over the top and, you know, down the channel. Jordan Henderson doesn't have the pace over five or ten yards. He was never going to keep up with Jamie Vardy. I think Liverpool fans need to stop looking for excuses. And Klopp, really, Jordan Henderson's a midfielder. Put him in midfield. You sign two defenders. Play them. 
Then Henderson will press, help the press return, that high press that they have. They've got world-class strikers. They're going to score goals. You know, the best form of, of defence is attack. We've talked about it a few times, haven't we? Van Dijk, the injury, and of course it was in the return, you know, the other the other end of this fixture where this happened. So it's like, you know, brings it all back to you, that dreadful afternoon against Everton, where of course Liverpool were going in on the back of that awful result against Aston Villa and actually played really well against Everton. And it was the first, you know, it was the first time where I think even more than the 7-2 against Villa, it was a sign that this season was not going to go well, you know, because like I say, we played really well. We didn't get the win. You know, bad luck seemed to be following us with VAR. And of course, there was that awful injury to Van Dijk. Obviously, we haven't been the same since, you know. And I think you're right. I think the time has come. I think Klopp really, you can't say made a mistake because what do we know, you know. But anyway, he made that decision uh, to persevere with Henderson at the back. And maybe he thought, you know, he had no option with, with it wasn't just Van Dijk. You know, Gomez went as well. Uh, Fabinho now injured as well. I mean, you, you get to the point where he doesn't know who he's going to play. But anyway, but I think what's sad about Liverpool in that performance against Leicester was we were so good at times. I mean, honestly, for most of that first 70, 75 minutes, I thought Liverpool were great. But then what did you have? You had another self-inflicted defeat, right? You had another case of individual mistakes. And I'm not just talking about Alison Becker. I'm talking about the thing that, the thing that really struck for me was if you look at Thiago... Uh, making that tackle on the edge of the box, leading to the Leicester, what could have been a penalty, but in the end was the free kick and equally an equaliser. You sort of think, well, clearly how furious Jordan Henderson was with Thiago for making that tackle. And it was clear then that they were just the frustrations of the side who had a game plan, knew what they had to do, were sticking to it, everything going well. And then a, a, a rash decision, the sort of rash decision that they just can't afford. And then like we talked before, Confidence being a fragile thing, it falls apart. No excuses for that. I don't think Liverpool fans are sort of looking for excuses. I think we know, obviously, the league has gone. We're hoping that there might still be a Champions League place at the end of the season and maybe a decent run in the Champions League itself. But I think we're beyond looking for excuses now. I think we, you know, we've got our sympathy for, for Jurgen Klopp, but this side needs to pull itself together because it's individual errors now that are taking the toll. Yeah, late game on Saturday night at Craven Cottage. Massive one at the bottom of the table, Fulham against Sheffield United. Fulham have found form. Sheffield United have not found form. Finno, uh, beaten quite easily by West Ham. Yeah, look, I think West Ham against Sheffield United was a clear uh, change in quality, I suppose, between a Premier League team and what will be a Champions League, uh, a championship team. Um, it's simply a must-win for Fulham. You know, if they've got any hopes or any dreams or aspirations of staying in the Premier League, they have to win this game. Sheffield United, if they get a point, then they become the not the worst Premier League team in history, and that, I suppose, is something. But, yeah, not that much consolation when you think of the teams that they'll be visiting next season. Certainly not. Staying with West Ham, uh, they kick off the games on Sunday, 1 o'clock. West Ham against Tottenham. Champions League uh, chasing West Ham final. Who would have thought it, to be honest? Never in a million years would you have expected West Ham to be battling for a Champions League place um, you know, come February and into, you know, the business end of the season. You know, the reverse of this fixture was easily one of the early kind of contenders for game of the season, that that three-all draw. Derbies are always tough to predict, though. And despite Tottenham, you know, I crowned them champions elect um, before Christmas. They seem to have done their best to to wrong me at every turn. Um, it would just be like Tottenham to to come out and show that title 
potential winning form um, against West Ham. I did see an interesting stat. West Ham, they were on BT Sport 10 times this season. They've been unbeaten in those 10. They've won nine. They've drawn one on Sky. They've played 11, won two, drawn three and lost six. We play on Sky on Sunday. So yeah, I think I'll probably go for a Spurs win here. West Ham's Champions League uh, hopes hang on Finno's superstition. Uh, Midlands derby at three o'clock, Aston Villa against Leicester. Uh, Villa, very disappointing, Joe, against Brighton. Brighton were clearly the better side. Leicester, you know, were very dangerous on the break for the first hour against Liverpool, albeit, you know, on the back foot. Liverpool were the better side. The last 20 minutes, okay, there was errors, but, you know, they were very uh, tactically, very astute, and they picked their chances. Um, you know, I can see Leicester winning this one, Joe. Yeah, you're definitely right, JP. And the Villa were fortunate to get that point against Brighton. If it wasn't for their keeper, uh, Martinez, they definitely would have lost the game. He made some fantastic saves. I just think that Leicester, like when Leicester are good, they're very good. And when they have momentum, they're a difficult train to stop. The likes of Vardy, Madison, Barnes, Tillemans, uh, they're just such a good, strong unit. I think they'll be full of confidence. Uh, and I think they'll have too much for Villa. What what struck me uh, the game against Brighton is that Brighton dealt with Grealish really well. It just shows you if you can stop Grealish, then you can kind of stop Villa. Yeah, it was the same with West Ham as well. You know, when they suffocated the ball into Grealish, Barkley wasn't able to make enough happen on his own. Watkins definitely lost an amount of service that he needed to, to be effective. And so, yeah, I think if Leicester can do a good job on Grealish, that on top of their really great home uh, away form, we should see, you know, a, a Leicester win here. Another player you haven't mentioned, lads, is Traore, who plays, in, you know, that, that three-pronged attack for Villa. And he was really good in the first half of the season. His form has severely dipped. Uh, Leicester, very clever. Uh, you know, yeah, you got to fancy them in this one. At the Emirates, Arsenal are back. They've beaten Leeds. Mama Yang's back and won the goals. They're back, but they're not. They're playing Man City <laughs> and they're going to get hammered. Um, Man City are just flawless. They're purring and they're perfection at the minute. And Arsenal have a lot of flaws. So, yeah, it's in a way a win here, Kev. Yes, of course. All things being equal, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, Arsenal, anyone can get an amazing result against Leeds. We all know that, right? I mean, it's just anything can happen in those games. Um, the only thing I'd say about Man City, right, they do have a couple of, tricky-ish games this week, right? Wouldn't you say? So they've got they've got this game that in hand that they've got to make up. Um, and then away at Everton, as we talked about before. And then they've got to come and play this game. And all I'd say is, uh, I, I, I made a real mistake earlier on because I was looking and thinking, like, I wonder how many games, um, you know, Man City have to win now to be, you know, to be crowned champions. And I was thinking it was almost like a situation in Rangers, you know, where Rangers, I think they've only got to win like four or five games. And they've got to do it. Of course, Man City, we're all gifting them the title because they're on this amazing run of 10 games. And of course, they're absolutely odds on. Bookmakers are very rarely wrong. It's going to happen. But they haven't quite got the points in the bag yet. There's seven points ahead, albeit with a game in hands, absolutely. Most of the chasing pack have got 14 games left to go. Like you'd normally say, to be absolutely safe, you want to be one point ahead per uh, per game left to be played. So if there are 14 games played, you want to be 14 points ahead, then you think that's pretty much it. Of course it's odds on, of course they're going to do it, but they still actually have a lot of games. They've got a lot of points that they've got to pick up. And I would never wish an, in an injury on anyone. And I certainly don't wish it on this super attractive, wonderful Man City side 
uh, we're coached by by really one of the game's greats and someone I admire enormously and always have. I was a huge Barcelona fan when I lived in Spain when Guardiola was there as a, as a, as a player and as a manager. Don't wish it on anyone. But of course, something could happen. There could be a Van Dyke-style injury to them. Maybe they have a crisis of confidence. It seems ludicrous now. Yes, 99%, but they do have a lot of games still to win. So uh, not quite done yet. I agree, Kev, but also Arsenal have just been so inconsistent. If I look at Arsenal's games, you know, yes, they had a strong win against Leeds, but they dropped points to Villa, they dropped points to Wolves, both teams that we've already said have been kind of inconsistent um, this season. The interesting thing for Arsenal is that they've got now the European games back. They're playing Benfica. That's not an easy game. Even for a team that is as star-studded as as Arsenal, that Benfica team has quality running right through it. And that might be the only way that Arsenal can get European football next season. So they will definitely have an eye on that. I don't think that Arsenal have the quality and depth to be able to, you know, balance both of those going forward. Arsenal will be playing European football next season, uh, Thino. And uh, if Man City get an injury, Kev, they're more than capable of, of you know, I'm Liverpool sure, right, fans sure, right. uh, clutching at straws, really. I mean, the title race is, is <laughs> over. Um, just got to let it go. Uh, late game on Sunday night, Manchester United Old Trafford against Newcastle. Man United will have played midweek in Budapest in the Europa League game against Real Sociedad. Of course, they were held to a draw by West Brom at the Hawthorns last week. Newcastle, though, really, realistically, the last game, Chelsea on this one, uh, will be written off. It'll be, you know, if you get anything, it's a miracle. But realistically, you're looking at Wolves next to try and pick up some points. The sad thing is the lack of effort against Chelsea in the first half was, it was horrifying. It really was. Compared to the last few games when there was a high press, but it goes to show how much of a huge loss Callum Wilson is. The guy's involved in 60% of Newcastle's goals this season. What a loss he'll be for the next seven or eight weeks. Newcastle fans were screaming for Dwight Gale to come in and play alongside Tim Maxime and Almiron. Steve Bruce picked those three. They didn't deliver. There was no drive, nothing in the first half. Second half, they gave it a go. I will say that. But Chelsea have more quality, and that's shown right through. So this game really is a no-brainer. It's a Man United win. Newcastle will hope they don't pick up any bookings and don't concede too many goals. Joe? I guess the, the only thing I'd say is I remember a few weeks ago we were saying Man United are going to smash Sheffield United and they didn't. And then last week we said they're going to smash West Brom and they didn't. So maybe we should all say that they're going to smash Newcastle, JP, in the hope that Newcastle may, may manage to get a point. But I was so disappointed in, in Newcastle against Chelsea. I thought after Newcastle's performance against Southampton, where they went down to nine men and they showed so much kind of courage and kind of bravery and pride. They really fought for the shirt. I just fought against Chelsea. They just didn't lay a glove on Chelsea all game. And it was almost like someone needs to tell Newcastle that they're actually in a little bit of a relegation battle here. Like they needed a bit more oomph. Yeah, like, you know, there was comments heard that like possibly gave Chelsea too much respect. But I mean, if you went back a month, you wouldn't expect anything, anything from this game. And Jamie Carragher a month ago, you know, said Newcastle have got nothing about them at all. Before this game, he said they're going to trouble Chelsea with those three players up front, but they didn't. They, they, they looked asleep, really. And Newcastle had rested for nine days. Chelsea played Barnsley in the Cup and a league game since they played Newcastle. So it was very disheartening. With the greatest of respect, I don't think Newcastle are, you know, going to have an outcome on this game. I think it's all about Man United and how they react to potentially being, you know, 10 points behind in the league and how that Man United team reacts. Because if they're not careful, they'll go quite quickly from second into fifth. 
and then it becomes a bit of a crisis. Can Oli keep that team fighting and moving in one direction? I don't, I don't see it, to be honest. I don't know. I, 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 that's a really interesting point. And I do think it's worth noticing. It does sound like the sort of thing that Liverpool fan would say. But it is true that Liverpool have picked up six points in their last five games. And Man United have picked up six points in their last five games. And you've got like, you know, Liverpool, in, everyone talks about crisis. And no one's really talking about Man United being in any trouble. And it was just, what, what leapt out at me this week was, for the first time, I saw someone had pointed out that Solskjaer's contract is up at the end of next season. And he was asked about whether, you know, uh, what next kind of thing. And he said, oh, the discussion has not even taken place. And when, a man, and when a manager says that, it says, oh, we haven't even started negotiations. That's usually a sign um, that someone is agitating for those conversations to either start or, or pointing out that they haven't yet. You know, there's an agenda somewhere when that sort of thing comes up is all I mean. And of course, you know, when you start to think about it, you do wonder, you know, it, at times, you know, Sosko has looked like he's the answer, right? You know, there are times when you sort of think, wow, they've got so much about them now. You know, they've got absolute quality in the team. And they've got a lot of character and you sort of think, well, that must be down to the manager. But it seems like Man United are not completely convinced. You know, it's not like they've offered him a five-year contract or anything like that. They haven't even started negotiations for a contract that's up at the end of next season. So uh, I think he's probably now thinking he's still got something to prove, which, you know, you can argue it either way. But I just mean, you know, it's not quite as stable as maybe they'd like it to be at the club. Well, they've got 46 points. They're in second place, which is a big improvement on the last couple of years for Man United. So... We have to give Solskjaer some credit and we know City are going to win the league and at a canter. So if it wasn't one of those years, which seems to happen every other year where City just become this remarkable machine that destroy everyone, they might have actually had a chance this season. Uh, who knows? Long way to go. Monday night game uh, in your backyard, Joe, Brighton against Crystal Palace. Brighton are playing some lovely football. Palace, of course, well beaten by Burnley. Um, Brighton, I watched them against Villa. They just seemed a little bit toothless in attack. They need a fox in the box, somebody to, you know, be a bit more ruthless and put those chances away because they're creating lots of chances. But there's no doubt Brighton will be will be staying up, Joe. Yeah, you're absolutely right. They just need the the Glenn Murray from, you know, five years ago who who was their kind of, you know, vocal point and their number nine for many, many years. Um, you're right, Brighton, this is normally quite a fiery derby. Brighton v Palace. I'm not sure it will be the same without the fans. I think Brighton will be really confident to win the game because it just seems that Palace's season is pretty much over. They've got nothing to play for, really. They're not going to get relegated. They're not going to get into Europe. They're out of the Cups. Their season is just kind of drifting to a very slow halt, which actually has been the case for the last few seasons under Roy Hodgson. Um, so you can kind of see why some Crystal Palace fans just seem to get a little bit bored. <laughs> you know, with their style of play and their season. Brighton, if they can just get a couple more wins, they'll be really kind of confident that they can stay in the Premier League for another season. You know, if Brighton get all three points, I think they go level with Southampton and Palace. You just feel like that kind of motivation might get them over the line in this kind of game because obviously they're, you know, they're still not absolutely safe. Even with their kind of dodgy home form, I mean, we've talked about it in the podcast before that Brighton have been really ropey at home, but... Crystal Palace, they just seem so, you know, unremarkable this season. Um, and Roy Hodgson, I think, you know, maybe he's taken them all the way that he can. You know, Palace are safe. They're kind of in limbo. They're not going to get relegated. They're not going anywhere. They're out of the Cubs. So, yeah, they're kind of a nothing team for the season with nothing to play for. Brighton, of course, will feel like the win is there for them. 
if they can just take their chances, yeah, I can see them winning this one. Uh, final game of a crazy period of Premier League games at Ellen Road, Joe, 7 o'clock Tuesday evening. Leeds United against Southampton. Definitely going to be goals in this one. Leeds are definitely going to score. Just, you know, Southampton are in a horrible run of form. Of course, we'll have played before this against Chelsea. Um, do you see any hope for, for the Saints in this one, Joe? I'm not looking forward to this one at all. I guess I would like to see how many we lose against Chelsea by. Um, if we get done 5-0 by Chelsea, then I'm, I'm not too confident for the Leeds game. No, I think Leeds will score, but Leeds will also give Southampton chances. And when we play on the break, we're actually a pretty good team. When we have Redmond running in behind, Ings, Ings has scored two goals last week and is kind of back in form. So it wouldn't surprise me if, if Southampton get on the score sheet as well. I just think at the moment, Southampton's confidence is so low that if Leeds just come after them wave after wave after wave of attack, um, they may just break us down and just it may be one of those Leeds performances where they score three or four and just kind of run right. I'm hoping not. But you'd have to say at the moment that I think Leeds will probably take the win. Just hearing you talk there, Joe, it sounded very much like I was thinking back to that Leeds-Newcastle performance when I think they won 5-2. And that is exactly the kind of attack after attack after attack that you will still get chances. And I think Leeds and Southampton are two very different teams. You know, Leeds are very all-out attack. Um, John Champion called them, you know, the intoxicating mix of the irrepressible, irresponsible and the irresistible versus the very pragmatic, I feel, Southampton um, led by Hazen Hüttel. be very interesting and I don't know if it's going to go your way, Joe, to be honest. Leeds are box office. They're an absolute breath of fresh air to the Premier League and they love them or hate them. They're great to watch this season. They really are. I just I tune in whenever I can to watch Leeds because you know there's no park the bus, there's no sitting back. They're gonna go hammer and tongs and give it socks and you know, fair play to them. And it's they're they're gonna stay up. They've obviously they, they might even get into Europe. Who knows? But uh, yeah, I, I don't know, Joe. I mean, they might have one of those days where Southampton do take the chances and you do come away with something. Leeds are also like Fino said, very vulnerable at the back. That rounds it up for us. Uh, as far as the games are concerned, of course, we couldn't be going anywhere without a few words of wisdom from our lyrical genius, Kev. Yep, I've got for you the, uh, the Valentine's Day massacre. The losers were red, the victors were blue. I can't explain it and neither can you. Week 24 and Liverpool cruising, 1-0 v Leicester, then 3-1 they're losing. Three goals in eight minutes for Rodgers and co. Defenders and midfield all over the show. The worst was the second. A present for Vardy. The keeper too quick. The defender too tardy. Irrational tackles. Cardinal sins. If they played B&Q, they'd lose to the bins. It's not just the defeat. I mean, Leicester are purring. It's the errors like pie that just keep on recurring. Can you call it a crisis? I think that you must. The Reds are in six and the season's gone bust. But let's hear it for Leicester with no such fatigue. Favourites now for the Champions League. The title? Well, no one has even a hope of stopping Man City, who, much like the Pope, are infallible now. They won the 10th straight. 3 0 v Tottenham has ended debate. And United, are their title hopes still alive? Like Liverpool, they've got six points now in five. No one is calling their form into question, but a 1 0, a 1 1 be West Brom's at least a suggestion. They're miles away from being contenders. But not so West Ham, our favourite East Enders. They're up to fifth, quite rightly excited. 
an easy 3-0 over Sheffield United. Chelsea coach Tuchel, he's a fast learner. Newcastle dispatched a goal from T. Werner. Did that raise a right smile from Klopp, do you think, as he contemplates how to pull back from the brink? On Saturday, he needs to bring back the spark as they welcome their neighbours from across Stanley Park. If the losers are red and the victors are blue, is it Auf Wiedersehen? See you later. Adieu. Don't believe what you read. There'll be no final straw. Klopp will be staying. Win, lose or draw. Stuff, Kev. Thank you very much. Pleasure as always. Good to see you all again. You too. Thank you, Joe. Thank you all. Thanks, JP. Thank you, Finno. Cheers, guys. Cheers, lads. Uh, thanks a lot. This has been the Irishman, Englishman and Scotsman football podcast. Uh, don't forget, guys, if you are listening on YouTube, hit that subscribe button down there on the bottom right-hand side. And we'll see you all again next Tuesday. Enjoy the games. 